From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome to the program, friends. And the new guy is stepped behind the audio board. Uh, David Gaskin, I told you last week, my technical producer, is leaving for Kathmandu in, what, two weeks now? And uh, so he's training the new guy, Tim. I don't know much about him. I know he likes Red Bull. He seems competent. Uh, but how do I really know he's not Illuminati? He could be a plant. You have to be mindful of these things on this program. Welcome to the show. Uh, we look behind the curtain. We shine a light backstage in order to expose the puppet masters on The Conspiracy Show. Who's pulling the strings? Who's really stage managing this huge show, this production, our reality? We're about to find out. Every year, the most powerful, wealthiest, influential individuals in the world, kings and queens and presidents and prime ministers and those seeking those officers and bankers and industrialists. They gather at a luxurious five-star hotel and meet under extreme secrecy and security to do what? We're not exactly sure. But we do know the mainstream media totally ignores this impressive gathering, which is very strange to say the least. It's called the Bilderberg Meeting. And one thing is for sure, whatever they're doing behind those closed doors, they're not playing canasta. Over the next hour, you're going to learn all about this powerful cabal. And tonight's guest is here to tell all about the Bilderbergs. Mark Dice is a media analyst, political activist, author, who in an entertaining and educational way gets people to question our celebrity-obsessed culture and the role the elite, secret societies and mainstream media plays in shaping our lives. We're going to talk about a very powerful secret society known as the Bilderbergs. Mark Dice is the author of The Illuminati, Facts and Fiction, Big Brother, The Orwellian Nightmare Come True, and the New World Order, Facts and Fiction. Also, the Resistance Manifesto joins us on the line from beautiful Oceanside, California. Mark, how are you? I'm doing well. And while some people don't know about the Bilderberg Group, most people probably don't, more and more people are learning about it. And w- what I find fascinating is that the Bilderberg Group isn't a conspiracy theory. It's not the figment of my imagination or others. It, it is a real organization that meets once a year with the power most powerful men and women in the world they have shut down the whole hotel there's armed security private security services secret service you name it out there guarding these guys for three days while they meet in a hotel and plot and plan the course of the world and what's fascinating is most people have not heard of the bilderberg group you haven't seen it on CNN, on Fox News, uh, maybe I don't know up in Canada, maybe the B, uh, the, you know, the uh, the British broadcasting system up there may address it a little bit more than the American media, which seems to be some of the most controlled uh, media in the world. Richard, well, we have uh, the, the the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. They may touch on it. Um, it it doesn't get a lot of play in the media up here. You might get the odd headline, and it's treated in kind of a tongue-in-cheek way, like, oh, uh, you know, world leaders in town to discuss, uh, you know, the New World Order, ha, 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 that kind of thing. But you're right. that the, the, the average person, quite frankly, doesn't have time. I mean, we are, we're so busy running around trying to, uh, to, to pay the mortgage and the rent and put food on the table that we've totally lost sight of the big picture, which is exactly, 
I gather, what they want, to keep us so preoccupied and distracted. Um, and part of that is the celebrity culture, which you rail against. That's all part of keeping groups like the Bilderbergs in the shadows uh, where they can do whatever they want. And to say that this group isn't powerful, to say that they don't matter, to say that there's not a blackout policy in place in most of the major mainstream media around the world is not true. Uh, it, there is a conspiracy. There is a blackout in place. It's not a conspiracy theory. You, you can't say that it's a theory or that there's no agenda in place, that when the Bilderberg Group meets every year, as they have since 1954, uh, that it's not newsworthy. You can't say that when 100 to 150 of the world's most powerful men and women get together, that it's not an interesting and newsworthy event. So right there, there is a conspiracy uh, of a cover-up, and we've caught them time and time again, year after year after year, and maybe later on in the show we can get into what happened at the 2012 Bilderberg conference just a couple months ago as we tried to push the issue into the mainstream media to try to shame them, to, to pressure them to break this blackout, uh, which we somewhat successfully did on, on a small scale. Uh, we were hoping to get CNN, Fox News, all these people together. Every year, whenever there's these big global economic forums, as you know, the, the G8, the G20, it's major news. It's the top story around the world. They're, they're talking about all these world leaders coming together into town and meeting and planning and deciding what they're going to do with society and with the world. But then the, every year when the Bilderberg Group meets, year after year after year, it's literally – a complete blackout in the mainstream. It is very odd. Mark Dice is with us. We're talking about the Bilderbergs. Let's go back, and, and you mentioned 1954. Uh, give us a little bit of the history. Why did the Bilderbergs come together? Where did they meet, and how did they get their name? They started in 1954. Prince Bernhard of the Netherlands decided to organize a meeting to talk about the financial issues facing the world. So he sent out letters to some of the most prominent politicians, media moguls, international royalty, uh, and said, hey, let's come and meet. Let's have a secret private conference. We'll kind of talk about the ins- an insider's view on what's happening in the world. We're going to meet at the at the Bilderberg Hotel in Oosterbeck, Holland, in, in the Netherlands. It was 1954. And so at that meeting, there were about 60, 60 to 80 men – there and they decided that they would meet once a year uh, and call themselves the Bilderberg Group, naming themselves after the hotel uh, where they first met. That was again in 1954, and literally every single year, except for one, I think I read at the onset of World War II, I believe they had to cancel their meeting, but with the exception of one year, they've met every single year, uh, every spring under the guise of complete secrecy, uh, not a word in any of the mainstream media. It's fascinating. And when you, when you want to see how the world functions, when you're interested in geopolitics, you're just, when you want to find out how the world works, you're missing huge pieces of the puzzle if you don't find out about the Bilderberg group, because those are the key 
movers and shakers. You mentioned, mentioned uh, Prince Bernhard of the Netherlands, and I understand Queen Beatrix is, uh, is another uh, sort of permanent member of this group. Many royals attend, many industrialists, members of the press, as we'll soon discover, David Rockefeller, of course. But Prince Bernhard is interesting. Uh, he was a former SS officer and then later went on. He was very high up in the Royal Dutch uh, Shell Oil Company. Yeah. Now, you look at some of the people that are involved in this, and I, I have their tax returns, and I just obtained them a few months ago. They're real. They're not – at first, when I was first tipped off about them, I, I thought maybe this is a hoax, but the Bilderberg Group functions as a legal entity, as it has to, and so it has to have a checking account and a, a checkbook in order to pay for the hotel and security and the food and, and, and things like that. So they're not handing suitcases of cash or gold over to the hotels that they're staying in. They have a legal entity, and they're registered as a 501c3 tax-exempt organization, which means that you have to have certain pages of your tax returns made available to the public. The law requires you to show who's paying you and how much they're paying you. And you have to make these legally uh, publicly available. So I was able this year, just a few months ago, to track down the 2008, 9, and 10, and 11 Bilderberg tax returns. And it's fascinating to see who pays them. David Rockefeller's on that list, You know, $50,000 a year, $75,000 a year. Some of these guys are paying them. Uh, you, you know, you got... Henry Kissinger, David Rockefeller, the two key members there, given you know fifty grand, seventy five thousand dollars every year. Goldman Sachs is on there, one of the you know big banking uh, cartel funding these guys. So it's th- this is certainly not uh, a conspiracy theory. Bilderberg Group is a conspiracy fact, and and it doesn't get any more. You can't get any more clear evidence than their tax returns. <laughs> No. Right, indeed. Yeah, there, there's a paper trail there, and, and um, uh, you've uncovered that nicely, Mark Dice. Uh, now, I, I mentioned Prince Bernhard, and I just thought, I thought that was interesting. Here we are only nine years after the close of the Second World War and the complete surrender of, of Germany, and yet we have a high-ranking uh, member of the Nazi Party uh, involved in bringing this elite group together. I'm just wondering if there's any significance to that. Well, his goal with this, of course, is is to forge the New World Order, the One World Government, which was, of course, a Nazi goal as well, to create their Third Reich, their thousand-year reign, as they thought that they would, you know, Hitler would evolve and, and grow into a, a god that would essentially rule. Some interesting background information on this Bilderberg group. So they started in 1954. So how do we know about them today? How did we get to a point where... We know where they're going to meet, which hotel they're going to meet in. And then this year we had four or five hundred people go and hang out outside that hotel and protest for four days, sending up press releases, calling the media, trying to alert the mainstream media to pressure them to cover this group. So how did we get to this point? Well, back in 1957, just a couple years after they were founded, a Pulitzer Prize winning Scripps Howard News Service and a Chicago Tribune columnist named Westbrook Pegler was tipped off about the Bilderberg Group by a reader of his who actually happened to just stumble across the hotel in 1957 in Brunswick, Georgia, where they were staying, and called this columnist and said, hey, there's something really weird going on down here. I think you might want to take a look at it. So Westbrook Pegler did some investigating, and he found 
that at the time, uh, in 1957, there were 67 people that met at the Bilderberg group meeting at this uh, private hotel in Brunswick, Georgia. That is how we discovered the Bilderberg group. And then if you follow the trail, another man named Willis Carto found this guy's Westerbrook Pegler's article and then started doing his own investigations. And then Jim Tucker, who you, you probably know about, I'm sure. Oh, yes. Yes. Jim is a longtime Bilderberg tracker. Jim then found out about it from Willis Carto. So the trail, the, the, the summary goes back to the Bilderberg group started in 54 uh, and then 57 – Somebody found out about it, tipped off this Pulitzer Prize winning columnist Westbrook Pegler. Then Willis Carto learned about it from him, started writing newspapers and things about it. And that is where Jim Tucker learned about it and started working for Willis Carto. Jim Tucker, who is the premier Bilderberg expert, the author of the Bilderberg Diary, which I do hold in my hand. I was lucky enough to get an autographed copy from Jim Tucker when I met him at Bilderberg. 2012, and and this is the key. Have you read this book, Richard? Uh, no, but I've read Daniel Estulin's uh, uh, book about the Bilderberg Group. Here's that's another, you know, uh, uh, a great Bilderberg tracker, uh, Daniel Estulin, who um, whose parents emigrated from the the, uh, the Soviet Union, and he he has called Canada home uh, for many years. Although I think he now resides in Spain. But I've read Daniel's book. Yeah, I, w- I recommend Jim Tucker's over. Daniel's book is okay, but I, I, just the writing style, I just don't like the writing style. He sort of tells it, uh, he, he sort of sensationalizes it a little bit, telling it as it's like a spy novel, uh, whereas Jim Tucker just sort of just gives you the history of who it is and what they do. There's a lot of photos in his book as well. All right, um, listen, uh, Mark, let me uh, just jump in here. We'll take a time out. We'll come back and we'll find out who exactly uh, attends these meetings. Uh, we'll get some names. Uh, we've mentioned Prince, or you've mentioned Prince Bernhard, and we talked about Queen Beatrix and David Rockefeller and Henry Kissinger. And, and then we'll find out, All uh, most important of all, of course, is what goes on at these meetings. What sorts of decisions affecting all of us as mere useless eaters, as Kissinger once referred to us, I believe, at a Bilderberg meeting. What happens behind closed doors at these five-store hotels? Uh, we'll we'll uh, get to that with Mark Dice after this time out here on The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. There's smoke. There's the conspiracy show with Richard Serrett. 
And we're back with Mark Dice, the author of The Illuminati, Facts and Fiction, Big Brother, The Orwellian Nightmare Come True, The Resistance Manifesto, and The New World Order, Facts and Fiction. Mark is a media analyst, political activist, and tonight we're talking about the Bilderberg Group. Now, uh, started in 54, Prince Bernhard was, uh, I guess, the principal architect. Now, are we talking about the movers and shakers from North America and Europe? Uh, what, what, uh, what countries generally are involved in these annual meetings? Yeah, prim- primarily North America and Europe. Sort of a, a lesser powerful sister organization is the Trilateral Commission, which sort of deals with the Asian, uh, American, European relations, but that's a very low second <laughs> compared to, uh, really even probably a third or the fourth down. I mean, you got the Council on Foreign Relations, which is, under the Bilderberg Group in in terms of power, uh, but yeah, th- this organization, man, I'm telling you, Bill Clinton went to see these guys in 1991 uh, to sort of get th- they wanted to feel them out. Essentially, they they bring candidates in f- who they want to who they want to field out, who they want to field out to become president of America or prime minister of England or different prime ministers around Europe. So these guys will bring in these candidates uh, to basically, you know, kind of tell them what's up and say, "Hey, you want to, you want us to be make you king? You want, you want us to to put our power behind you? Well, here's how it's going to work, buddy. Here's what you need to do for us." And so it's interesting to see how Bill Clinton uh, just just happened to attend Bilderberg in 1991, and then in 1992 was course crowned uh, president of the united states the, the the list goes on and on of powerful politicians in europe and in america attending a bilderberg meeting when they're campaigning for office and then it's it's usually the one which attends the bilderberg meeting is the one who wins the one who gets office for example you might be aware of this of course richard this is for the audience but uh, when barack obama was president uh, was running for president in 2008 during the Bilderberg meeting that year he actually disappeared to attend the meeting and what he did is he has this whole press corps following him around on the plane wherever he goes whatever city he goes to you got dozens of photographers and reporters following you around so what he did is they got all the press on the plane at whatever campaign stop they were at and he snuck off the back of the plane. They shut the door. Plane took off. Plane's gone in the air. And the press corps says, whoa, what happened here? Where, where did Barack go? <laughs> you know, like we're on this plane because we're following Barack. We're supposed to be riding with Barack. He's not here. What the heck just happened? What happened was the Bilderberg Group meeting was going on. And Robert Gibbs, you can find this clip on YouTube if you just search for uh, Robert Gibbs Bilderberg. And Robert Gibbs actually admits that there was, quote, a meeting, didn't, didn't mention the Bilderberg Group meeting, but it was happening that same day. So you, you go figure. It's not exactly jumping to conclusions here by thinking that that's what he, that's what he did. Cause Robert Gibbs said there were, quote, some people that wanted to have a private meeting with them. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. Just that's a, the kind of invitation I guess you don't refuse. Well, if you want to be the king, right. uh, and, and you know uh, that's how the system works, if the Bilderberg Group meet, wants to meet with you, you're going to go meet with them. So the, that was 2008. Where was the uh, the Bilderberg meeting that year, by the way? It was in Chantilly, Virginia. 
just about a half an hour away from Washington, D.C. That's right. That's right. Now I remember. (laughs) Okay. So, yeah, he was in the neighborhood, so he thought he'd just drop on by. Well, you mentioned Bill Clinton earlier, Mark. It's funny because I remember when Clinton, uh, here here he was, a, excuse the expression, but you know, it's it's often used uh, in sort of for shorthand. But uh, Arkansas, the, the the governor of Arkansas, a backwater state. No offense to the good people of Arkansas, but not exactly one of the you know the prime the, the you know the uh, a powerful uh, not a powerful state. And uh, he was probably at the time I think I'd heard making less than fifty thousand dollars a year. Uh, and yet, after he attends the Bilderberg meeting. He's suddenly pronounced by the mainstream media as the front row or as the front runner for the uh, the nomination for the Democratic Party. And people like myself were sitting back saying, wait a second, I've never even heard of this guy. All of a sudden, the mainstream media is spe- uh, spoon feeding us as pablum saying he's the front runner. I just thought that was very curious. Well, that's the power of the media. And when we say, quote, they control the media. You know, let's let's be a little more specific because I found out who they are (laughs) and it's Operation Mockingbird, which in America was uncovered in 1975 in some congressional hearings where these hearings uncovered that the CIA was paying off the major editors and reporters of, of all the major outlets in America, print and broadcast, television, radio, newspaper, magazine, whatever. They had these guys in their pocket, and this came out in congressional hearings. And they were paying these people under the table in today's dollars, a billion dollars a year under the table. About $250 million a year back in the 70s. So the, the dollar value today, a billion dollars a year. The Operation Mockingbird program was getting money funneled through the CIA Two editors of CBS, ABC, NBC to, to act as gatekeepers. I have a bachelor's degree in communication. I've worked in television before. I know how powerful you, – you know how powerful media is. And so when the Bilderberg Group chose Bill Clinton and they both had a mutual agreement that Bill Clinton's going to be their guy and that Bill Clinton will do X, Y, and Z or pretty much whatever the Bilderberg Group wants, once that decision was made at the 1991 Bilderberg meeting then you have the 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 editors the CEOs the the people on the board of directors of all these major media outlets and so they're the ones that this that decide what their news organization is going to cover and so that all comes out of Bilderberg and then when your boss if you're just a lonely reporter or a segment producer and your your producer comes up to you Richard you know you work in the industry oh yes when your your boss comes up to you and says, "Hey Richard, go do a story on this," you're gonna do it. I mean, you know, you you pretty much have to. That's that's your job. It's just like if you're an engineer and your boss comes over and says, "Hey, draw up some plans to you know redesign you know product X Y Z." You're gonna redesign the product X Y. You might fight it and say, "Hey, uh, product X is great. It doesn't need to be done." Hey man, that's your boss. Do you want to keep your job? Then then you're gonna listen to what he says. And so that's, that's why you started seeing all of a sudden everybody, you know, the, it's, it's, the, the human brain is so interesting that what the mind, what the eyes see and the ears hear, the mind believes. So if the newspapers just start telling you, oh, hey, Bill Clinton's a great guy, you just, oh man, I, I heard Bill Clinton's a great guy. <laughs> I just heard that somewhere. Well, the thing is, uh, then what is it that David Rockefeller said to Bill Clinton or Bill Clinton 
said to David Rockefeller that got the Bilderbergs behind him. I'm pretty sure that they propose the Bilderbergs sort of propose an agenda and say, hey, look, this is what we this is what we want to do. You know, are you willing to do this for us? If you are, then we'll put, you know, we'll put everybody behind you. Hey, you want the Washington Post to to write a big piece about you? Hey, you want CNN to start, you know, just putting out stories that says, oh, hey, Bill, this is Bill Clinton's a new shining star. Oh, oh, hey, man. I mean, <laughs> you know, we got the board of directors, uh, you know, sitting right over there. So, uh, you know, we got the key, the head editor, you know, head head editor of the Evening News is sitting right over at the table, Bill. So, if you want to, you know, be president, the most powerful man in the world, <laughs> hey, man, all we ask is that you do this, 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 and don't do this, don't do this, and you know, when you get that little phone call and it it says, hey, uh, it's it's us, uh, you're just, you know, you're just going to listen to us. So, if you have. Uh, and I'm trying to remember whether Clinton was actually a sitting governor when he ran for president. I believe he was. Yes. And then you had Barack Obama, who was then a senator. When you have elected officials who hold public office attending a meeting where there are other world leaders and, and members of royal families and so forth, uh, is there anything illegal about that? Well, it's interesting you ask that because in America, it's been something on the books for a while called the Logan Act, which actually prevents elected officials from entering into private discussions and negotiations with foreign entities and foreign governments, which is exactly what uh, happens at the Bilderberg Group. And they had the, what's called the Chatham House Rules in effect, which is the same, same rules that the, in the parliament uh, they have in – in Britain, is that when you enter the Bilderberg Group uh, conference, you agree basically that not you, you won't say who was there, you won't say what was talked about, you won't talk about any context that it was talked about, and then pretty much don't want you to even mention that you were there or that it, it even exists. Uh, it's, they're doing a great job because, as you know, hardly anybody knows about this. Did you? I did a video a while ago, maybe – Four or five months ago, building up to the Bilderberg Group, approaching the Bilderberg Group, meaning, I don't know if you saw this, I don't know how much you followed my work, but I did a man on the street where I randomly interviewed people, one after the other after the other, asking them if they've heard of the Bilderberg Group. And it was the 33rd person that I had approached that had not only heard of the Bilderberg Group, (laughs) but get this, Richard, recognized me and was a, her and her husband were a fan of my work. So she said, yes, I actually, I do know about the Bilderberg group. And there then she go. recognized me and she said, I know you too. <laughs> but it was one out of 33 people, which is not a lot of people. Right, right. And, and, um, even that one in 33 people who knows who, or has heard the name Bilderberg, do they fully comprehend what goes on, uh, behind closed doors? And, and really can, can any of us say that we do for sure? How does a lot of this information get to people like you or Jim Tucker or Daniel Estulin? How, do, how does this information get leaked out if security is so tight? That's a great question. Jim Tucker, for years, now really since the 19, since 1975, since he's been covering it. Uh, well, I guess he started covering it in 75. He started in 1983, literally going to the places. And so what happened was, he, there is an insider or there's been a series of insiders, moles, which actually leak information to Jim Tucker. And so Jim Tucker is just an independent journalist working for a small newspaper called uh, – what was called The Spotlight years ago. Uh, and they they were 
just an independent news organization, and one of their goals was to focus and expose the Bilderberg Group. And they maintained a source that was legitimate within the group that would leak out where they're going to be, where they're going to stay, and then Jim would go to the hotel a couple days beforehand, stay in the hotel, befriend a lot of the staff, tell them, hey, I'm a reporter, there's this conference going on, and essentially convinces the staff to overhear, because there's, you know, there's food being delivered and water being refilled and things. There's, there's, you know, staff in these, in these hotels, as any fancy hotel has tons of conferences. So to, to the staff, this is nothing new unless they're informed about what it is. And so he essentially befriends the staff, gets them to sort of overhear certain things and then call him and tell him what they overheard and his moles also report information and have stolen uh, itineraries from inside the, the meeting. And almost everything that his sources have told him has checked out. When, As you know, Richard, when you go into this, this sea of conspiracy, there's, it's hard to find the facts. It's hard to find the truth. It's a, it's a lengthy process. And so I would assume, I did assume that, you know, Jim Tucker is this accurate information is this there's just so much garbage out there and speculation but in my research over the last oh god what's been seven years Jim Tucker's been very very accurate and okay let's not, uh, hold on to that Mark we'll uh, take a time out come back Mark Dice media analyst political activist and author talking about the Bilderberg group stay with us here on the conspiracy show The owners of the system are asleep. Now we can play. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. We are back with Mark Dice, the author of The New World Order, Facts and Fiction, The Resistance Manifesto, Big Brother, The The Orwellian Nightmare Come True, and his uh, latest, The Illuminati Facts and Fiction. Uh, Is that the latest? No, actually, The Big Big Brother is the newest one, isn't it, uh, Mark? Yeah, Big Brother, The Orwellian Nightmare Come True's been out. It's the latest one. You can get it on Amazon.com, uh, Kindle or Nook, or if, if you have an iPad, it's not in the i iBook store, so you just get the Nook uh, or the Nook or the Kindle app, and then you can download the ebook for like six or seven bucks. And that that book focuses on it's a it's essentially an analysis of George Orwell's novel, 1984, very famous, published in 1949 obviously talking about predicting an Orwellian creepy future. And so what I've done with Big Brother, The Orwellian Nightmare Come True is I took trade journals, mainstream news, uh, patent applications, and just kind of cross-referenced it with everything that you find in George Orwell's book to show that if we don't stand up for personal liberty, for freedom, uh, if we don't get our moral compass back uh, – calibrated again, then we're really headed in for an Orwellian nightmare. And then the other ones are about you know, the Illuminati facts and fiction. I'm a big fan of finding the facts and clearing out the fiction. In, 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 in my experience in the conspiracy genre, the conspiracy world, it's hard to find facts. There's a lot of speculation, a lot of fantasy, a lot of disinformation, frauds, but there is a lot of factual, legitimate information. So in my books – 
New World Order facts and fiction, Illuminati facts and fiction. My my goal was to separate the facts from the fiction to show what could be proven and to separate that from what is speculation and what's a fraud, what's uh, what's uh, right. clearly not uh, and legitimate. With, with the Bilderbergs, I mean, we're left to speculate a fair bit because we're not getting we're not getting a lot of information, certainly not from the mainstream media, which, as you have pointed out, is very suspicious. Given this is a, a, a huge coming together of the most powerful industrialists, politicians, uh, bankers. Uh, in some cases, scientists and so forth. It, do we know, uh, well, let me ask you this, because you attended, the, you were at least, you were in the vicinity during the last Bilderberg meeting. Uh, was Mitt Romney in attendance? No, uh, uh, he did not come. Um, it, it is very interesting. Mitch Daniels came, uh, governor out of Indiana, speculating, uh, causing a lot of speculation that he would become Mitt Romney's running mate. Um, but I think the, this year especially, there was so much attention on the Bilderberg group that if Mitt Romney were to have attended, it would have been huge news. There, w- there was no way that they could keep something that, like that quiet. So I, I wouldn't be surprised. In fact, I'm, I'm confident that there was a conference call in, you know, Mitt Romney conference calling into the Bilderberg group. But, you know, y- you are right in, in the fact that it's, it's hard to discover what they're doing, but the years of investigations that Jim Tucker's done clearly shows that the information that his sources give him I, I mean, I'm, I'm saying it almost always pans out. Uh, for example, they, they, his sources told him that the, uh, Iraq war would not start until the spring of 2003 when everybody was expecting it to actually start in 2002. And lo and behold, he said, nope, Bilderberg said it's not happening until next year. And then it, it didn't happen until the following year. So, so it is true then, um, or, or you would agree that 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 part of what the Bilderbergs uh, do is to to plan, orchestrate, foment war. Oh yeah, absolutely. They because there's so many elements that go into war, uh, particularly the the financial gain uh, on the on the part of the warmongers. So, the Bilderberg Group is the perfect cloak to plot and plan the most profitable wars at the most opportune times when, I mean, really this should be planned in, in Congress. Um, but yeah, absolutely. And, and I could only imagine the, the callous calculated decisions that go into plotting and planning when is the most opportune time to start the war so that these moguls can shift around their assets and they can plot and plan, uh, accordingly. And the the subprime uh, uh, collapse of uh, of 2008, um, I had read. I'm not sure if it was Jim Tucker who said that he had it on good authority uh, that someone had uh, stood up during the Bilderberg meeting and basically said, "Now is the time to launch this scheme," which was the subprime collapse. Yeah, I don't I don't remember when Jim Tucker came out with that. Uh his book stops at 2005 um and was published back in 2005, so it doesn't have anything beyond that. Uh those are found online, but I I do recall him saying that the Bilderberg group 
predicted the financial collapse would come, the subprime housing bubble collapse, and of course, uh, it, it did. He, he predicted, I believe, uh, that the downfall, downfall of Margaret Thatcher. He said that Bilderberg was a very angered Margaret Thatcher, the former prime minister of England who was really instrumental in resisting, uh, England folding into the European Union and surrendering its sovereignty and including its sovereign currency, the pound. And then out she uh, went. Listen, let me take a time out here, Mark. We'll come back. I also want to talk to you about whether the Bilderbergs have the power uh, to remove uh, presidents from office. Uh, for example, Richard Nixon. And uh, we'll discuss other um, uh, facets of this very elite, secretive, powerful group, the Bilderbergs. Back with more of my conversation with Mark Dice here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. This is no place for the naive or the faint-hearted. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. A few minutes remain with uh, Mark Dice, the author of the Illuminati Facts and Fiction, Big Brother, the Orwellian Nightmare Come True, and uh, others. Uh, he appears in several groundbreaking documentary films, including Invisible Empire, the 9-11 Chronicles, and has been featured on television shows, including the History Channel's Decoded, the Sundance Channel's Love Lust, Secret Societies, and more. He says he enjoys enlightening zombies, as he calls them, ignorant people, about the mass media's effect on our culture, pointing out Big Brother's prying eyes and exposing elite secret societies along with scumbag politicians and their corrupt political agendas. Uh, do you do you believe, Mark, that everyone that attends the Bilderberg meeting really knows what the end game is, this, you know, this implementation of a new world order, or are some of the individuals that go there well-meaning, well-intended? Yeah, it, it's same with the Freemasons, same with the build of, you know, Bohemian Grove. You can't lump all of them into the same category, although it's the, the leadership, the steering committee, the inner circles are all in, in cahoots, uh, uh, together, but you have, a steering committee and an inner circle of, you know, regular members. And then you have, you have some people that just have no idea. They just, the, the, some of these CEOs go to, you know, meeting conference after conference after conference. Some of these guests might not even understand. Hey, it's okay. It's a Bilderberg. It's a very powerful secret meeting. Da da da. So I mean, you get some of these people that are showing up to here may not really even have a clue. They just think eh, it's kind of another way to network and rub shoulders with some like-minded people. But the core are clearly have their agenda. And and within any organization, there's compartmentalization and and within. Within any group, there's going to be subgroups that don't know what the other groups are are participating in or planning. And so, I mean, you look at some of the lists. Like, here's a 2012 attendee list. I mean, you've got just chairman and CEO after CEO of just major company after major company. Um, but then you have certain companies like the Golden, you know, Goldman Sachs. Does Bill Gates attend most years? I don't know about most years he has attended uh, previous times. There's rumors that he did attend this year's meeting. There's a couple photos of somebody that certainly looks like Bill Gates. Uh, he was not. I don't think he was on the attendee list. Not everybody is on the attendee list. And what's interesting 
for anybody that wants to see the footage, to see what it's like, these guys coming into the hotel, go to YouTube and just search for Welcome to Bilderberg or Welcome to Bilderberg Mark Dice, D-I-C-E. And you'll find my footage that I compiled showing the Bilderbergers arriving. And so since even though this is close to D.C., a lot of these guys didn't drive in in their car. They either had a, uh, a private driver drive them in or, of course, if they flew in from another part of the country or the world, they had a private car and a driver drive them from the airport. And so almost every attendee came in in this black Lincoln Continental private, not a, not a limo, but just a private car with extra, I think it's called 5% tint on the back windows, blocking it out so that you couldn't see who it was that was coming in and that was arriving because obviously these people don't, a lot of these people don't want to be known that they're attending such a secretive and powerful meeting. What do you think they were discussing this year? What, 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 uh, what, what sort of things are they scheming about? Well, the main issue, I think, would be whether the elite wants to back Mitt Romney or whether they want to back Barack Obama again for president. So I'm assuming that would be it. And it looks like looks like they may actually want to back Mitt Romney. Uh, some of these people double down and, and bet on both sides. And in a sense, it doesn't really matter who becomes president because the you know it's the left – Foot takes a few steps, the right foot takes a step, and it's this one machine that just kind of keeps on going. So you've got the worst of the worst. But uh, I, the main thing I think would be what's who, who's going to be president next year. And then I think the financial collapse is, is, is how is this going to play out? Is it going to be a collapse? Is it just going to be a slow downgrade? So I think they're trying to to manage this this coming economic uh, decline of of the world. Is there uh, some, a depopulation agenda behind the Bilderbergs as well? Oh yeah, but I mean these are the people that manage resources, and I mean we're you know our you, your eyes biggest problem is is managing the resources you know for dinner for our family. You know th- these are the people that are 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 plotting and managing resources and food for for entire populations and so what happens is they get they get so removed from the people and and people people in countries and populations become literally a pieces on a chessboard to these people and so since these elite this is the modern day illuminati they see we're getting on the verge of unlocking the unlimited lifespan of human beings through whether it's some sort of genetic code where they can pre-program human beings so that we don't age anymore or through transhumanism where they just send little nanorobots or or cyborg parts into your body so that the human beings could live for 500 years or, or for forever. So they, they see that coming in the very near future. And so – they fear that if that happens, that there's going to be too many people on the planet. There's going to be, they're going to use too many resources. And so this, one of the key agendas of this elite Illuminati is reducing the world's population. But, but if that doesn't work out, there's, there's some really uh, bad things in the cards that they could just pull uh, to, to massively reduce the world's population, which they, they feel would be uh, for the best of humanity. 
Would they resort to um, um, a political assassination? Could the Bilderbergs be the the group that are ultimately behind some of these so-called lone nut gunmen? Well, if if the Bilderberg group tells if you're working for the Bilderberg group and you become president and then you you're not towing the Bilderberg party line, you're in trouble. But I don't think that anybody would go into that position without really knowing the full consequences. So I, I don't think anybody like Barack Obama really cares what the you know what kind of evil deeds he has to do to become ruler. I think that he doesn't care. It's the power. It's it's an exciting thrill ride to become the president of the United States. And most people will do that at any cost. What about Richard Nixon? I, I, I've, I've often heard it suggested that Nixon was the victim of an assassination of another sort rather than uh, you know, finding some crazed gunman and, and maybe programming him to be an assassin. They simply created the Watergate scandal. Uh, and that this was done because Nixon uh, was opposed to uh, GATT, the General Agreement on Trades and Tariffs, which was sort of the forerunner of the, the North American uh, trade, free trade agreement. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, the same similar allegation has been said that a former governor of, of New York, Elliot Spitzer, who was uh, disgraced, as, as many people know, this guy was governor of New York, and he was seen. You might recall he was arrested with that under uh, with that nineteen-year-old uh, prostitute or a real, real young prostitute uh, a couple years ago. You know, doing these high-end hookers, and a lot of people think that he was actually brought down because he was poking around and causing problems for the banking industry, uh, tightening up, wanted to tighten up regulations, and so yeah, he was a former uh, prosecutor, correct? Yeah, yeah, he he knew what was going on with the banking fraud and with Glass-Steagall and the housing bubble, and he wa- he saw it coming and wanted to stop it or wanted to get some answers and find out what happened. And I and I think, I think what happened is he might have maybe got a phone call, maybe you get a warning and say, hey buddy, <laughs> just, don't do that, just just turn around, go the other way. And if you don't do that, then all of a sudden, whoops, hey look at this, we found you with the hooker, because when you're the governor of of a huge state like that, I mean, these guys with the push of a button can just find out what you're doing, who you talk to, where you are. I mean, they got dirt and dossiers on so many people where if you want to, you're not playing games, man. You know, if you're going and seeing prostitutes and your political opponents, uh, your Bilderberg group wants you to push a certain agenda through. If, if you're not going to play ball, then guess what? You're getting busted in a prostitution scandal. Pure and simple. It, it seems like, uh, even though, d- even despite the the um, efforts of the Bilderbergs, every once in a while, an outsider makes his way to high office. Can't be necessarily controlled or managed. Sometimes they may force a vice president on him that'll keep an eye on him. I'm thinking of Bush and Reagan. Reagan, yep. from what I'm told, was feared by a lot of Republicans. He was an unknown quantity. He was uh, a radical. Uh, radical conservative, <clears throat> excuse me, and um, the the I guess the establishment wasn't quite sure what to make of Reagan, whether they can they could control him, and they foisted the former director of the CIA onto Reagan's ticket in order to keep an eye on him. But 
I mean, what is your sense that the, the that that uh, the Bilderbergs have everything locked down now? They can guarantee who's going to be president or prime minister, or is it they do their best uh, to make sure that their their guy gets in, and if their guy doesn't get in, they make sure that he's quickly surrounded by people who will control him. Yeah, I think that's a very good assessment because these people, it's, it's very important to stress, they're not all powerful. They're powerful. They're very powerful, but they're not all powerful. And so even with coercion, fraud, threats, blackmail, voter fraud, I believe that they are only limited in their power. And when you have a political rogue, someone like a Jesse Ventura, who became a governor. That's a perfect example. Yes. State of Minnesota. See, these people can't, as, as smart as they are and as many bases as they have covered with their paid propagandists in the news and their paid political operatives, as, as slick and as prepared, as planned out as they are, they're not perfect. And so you, you can get somebody like Governor Jesse Ventura, who just on a great, it's, it's tough to fight the grassroots. Once those grassroots start start spreading, it just it spreads slowly, maybe, but it spreads and it spreads and spreads. You can't really stop it. Well, that's so, you know there, you, you've left us with a, a little bit of hope. Uh, you know that every once in a while, a real uh, populist uh, can get in, not necessarily owned uh, and controlled by um, these these unelected oligarchs or the Bilderbergs in this case. Mark, real pleasure. And uh, I thank you for this hour, really enlightening, and uh, perhaps we woke up a few zombies, as you like to call them. I, I am excited, um, but these are, are definitely some really powerful, powerful people. So, well, as you, you know, the old saying, they've got trillions of dollars at their disposal, they've got armies at their disposal, we only have the truth. In other words, they don't stand a chance. Mark, <laughs> thank you yeah. for this. God bless. All right. Uh, back next week, uh, we'll talk, uh, of course, it's uh, closing in on the anniversary of 9-11. We'll talk with uh, a former airline pilot, author of The Big Bamboozle, and much more. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. And what I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night. <laughs>